Frank Wad, Vancouver. Free game, post game, every game presented by Bodog from Sports Odds to Free Casino Games. Make a play at Bodog.net. Wadden and JPAT here with you once again as uh, we're getting a bit of news here around the NHL as it's an off day in the playoffs. Some spicy news coming out of Arizona, but we do have a bit of Canucks news as well. And of course, that's where we'll begin. They made a new hire, JPAT. They announced a new director of sport performance. His name is Alex Trinka. And surprise, surprise, he comes from the Pittsburgh Penguins. Yeah. And, you know, I saw a ton of pushback on social media yesterday. Like, of course, he's a Penguin band back together. Like, doesn't anybody have any original ideas in hockey? And like, yes, on one level, I understand that. At the other, on another level, though, like, yeah, they're getting the band back together. Guess what? This band produced some pretty good hits over the years. They won a couple of Stanley Cups. So Rick Tockett was there. Patrick Alvine and Jim Rutherford were there. Human nature is that you're going to surround yourself with people you know and you're familiar with and you're comfortable sure. with. And, yeah. and so, I, look, I, I don't know the first thing about this guy other than what I read in the press release. So I want to give him every benefit of the doubt. His track record speaks for itself. I guess my initial thought was, and like that crossed my mind too, like, okay, yeah, they're going to Pittsburgh again. But think about this. Sidney Crosby, at the age of 35, was coming off a 93-point season. Like whatever the Penguins training staff did in terms of, you know, work in the gym, off ice stuff with Sid to get him game ready, it worked. And the proof's in the pudding there. And a decade ago, there were people that were thinking Sidney Crosby should have shut it down, that there was no need for him to come back and play. Clearly, he's gone through all of the rehab necessary, you know, from his concussions. But other than concussions, like Sid has been remarkably durable and healthy through his career. And and yeah, the player gets a lot of the credit for that. And there's some good fortune and good luck involved. But I do think that the work that some of these teams do with their players, preventative, first and foremost, and then restorative, when they do get hurt, how quickly can they get them back up and running? You know, look, the Canucks can use some help in that regard. This has been a revolving door for the Canucks in the strength and conditioning and the medical staff. We've seen a bunch of turnover, obviously, with Tanner Pearson situation. That wasn't a good look on anybody in the organization. You know, so I'm not surprised that there were some changes, quite frankly. And as I said, like, I don't, you know, if you told me his name yesterday, it wouldn't have meant anything to me. Uh, So I'm in no position to judge this guy. And really from the outside, like fans and media can't assess the day in, day out work that any of these strength and conditioning and, and trainers do. These guys put in long hours. You know, they're like the players. They want to be in the NHL, so they all work hard and pay their dues and get to the National Hockey League. But, you know, as you and I sit here hosting rink-wide, like, I can't tell you the job that any of the Canucks equipment guys or medical, like, I'm not in that position. So I guess I just wonder, why was Alex Trinka available? Obviously, there's been massive turnover in Pittsburgh already, higher up in the president and general manager's positions. Did he see that new guys would come in and bring their, their own people, as so often happens? And now he's proof of that, that, you know, his own people have brought him here to Vancouver. Uh, Like, I just wonder if he sort of got ahead of the curve of an expected broader house cleaning in Pittsburgh. Whatever the case, he saw this as an opportunity. They saw it as an opportunity to bring him in. And if he can apply the things that he's been doing in Pittsburgh and do whatever he did in those years where the Penguins won the Stanley Cup, then, you know, I think he can be a valuable addition to the Vancouver Canucks, but it is tough to sort of judge and engage 
the work that those guys do from the outside. Yeah, I'm just looking at your post because you posted up what I guess that's out of the athletic write up, I, I believe, uh, just given a, a brief description. Oh, that was right from the Canucks press release. Oh, it's so. from the press release, excuse me. Yeah, for, of Trinka. And yeah, I'm just seeing these replies here. I don't get it. Like if you've worked with somebody in the past, if they're good at their job, you know you have a good working relationship with them, then you're going to work with them. That's simple. It doesn't really matter. Like, yeah, you work together in Pittsburgh and it worked well there. So I want to bring to Vancouver so it'll work well here in Vancouver. So sometimes it's people just getting upset over the most stupidest stuff, really. And in this regard, you're telling me that people vent on Twitter for a reason. Jeez, I I know it's like is about winning cups. And Patrick Alvin has said as much if they had all worked together and just spun their wheels in some other NHL market. And then they decided to get back together and try it again. Yeah, that would get my attention a little bit. The fact that they won Stanley Cups, like that gives you the benefit of the doubt. And look around hockey over the years, like John Tortorella is still coaching. You know, people have said, oh, his games passed him by, his methods don't work. I think one of the reasons he continues to get opportunities is he's got a Stanley Cup ring. Daryl Sutter, you know, people wonder, like, how does he keep getting back into the game? Got Stanley Cup rings. Mark Crawford got opportunity after opportunity. Again, he was a Stanley Cup champ. Like it has cachet. It carries weight it's going to open doors for you. So again, whether you're a coach, whether you're a player, manager, or human performance and strength and conditioning, all those types of things, like everybody's got to work hand in hand. It happened for them there in Pittsburgh. So like, I've got more time for this discussion because they've got the proof of their success working together. So give it a chance again, like why people would get worked up in the off season about a hiring. Yeah, he came from Pittsburgh, but they had success in Pittsburgh. So let's see if they can replicate that here in Vancouver. Not only that, you referenced the Sidney Crosby, but I mean, that's an aging lineup there. You know, yep. Malkin's 36. Like how old's Latang? Latang's 36 as well. Like he's worked with these older players to be able to keep their bodies right and keep them in the NHL and producing at a high level in the NHL. So when you look at Something like that, maybe, and there's a lot of people that are hoping that they can squeeze something out of Oliver Ekman Larson this year. Like maybe this is the guy. Maybe this, you know, can help Oliver Ekman Larson get back to health, be able to keep him on the ice, be able to perform, to just be able to live up to a portion of that contract right now. Because essentially that's what the Canucks are going to need here, right? And as you look at some of the older players in the lineup as well, that you know, perhaps are, you know, could be facing injury moving forward. I don't know. I, I just think it's a good thing. I you The guy's clearly had success in the role. And not only that, he's also had success, as you mentioned, with the people that he's working with. So to me, it makes sense. I don't know. I just, again, I think it just feels like people just getting upset for something to get upset about. I didn't post it publicly, but I shipped you off. I just did a quick Google images search. I just wanted to see what the guy looked like. He looks like Rick Tockett. Well, I don't know. You sent this to me. I'm sitting there looking at him like, outside of the fact that he's bald, I mean, I I don't really see the similarities here. But maybe maybe we should put it out there and see if people see it uh, as well. He and Tockett (laughs) and Alvin all went to the same hair guy in Pittsburgh, I think. (laughs) Get it all shined up. The World Hockey Championship uh, continues in Finland and Latvia. Canada with a 5-1 victory today over Kazakhstan. Uh, no points for Bear or Meyer still, still waiting there, but no penalties as well uh, for neither of them. So Canada now is perfect so far. What's that? Three games for Canada now? A two, yes, two, and they have an overtime victory as well. So two, or I guess three and oh, but two, oh, and one is how they would put it down in group B. We also saw the USA play today and Connor Garland didn't get any points in a 4-1 victory over Austria. And then lastly, Latvia edged Norway 2-1 
Archer Silovs was big for the Latvians in this one. 20 saves in the victory. So there are your Canucks at the World Hockey Championship. Yeah, just a quick correction. Canada's played four games. They're 4-0, one of the wins in overtime. So. Oh, they didn't update the standings yet. Yeah. My bad, sorry. They've outscored yeah. their opponents 18-4, to so they're cruising along. You talk about Tyler Myers, no points and no penalties. How about no ice time? He played 10 minutes of the game today against... <laughs> Kazakhstan, so one of the low ice time guys on that Canadian defense, which is curious at the very least, but whatever the case, coaching staff there, I suppose, now four games into this tournament, starting to get a sense of what they've got to work with, and not a ton of ice time for Tyler Myers in that contest, Ethan Bear going about his business, Connor Garland, like, I'm not going to get worked up, but it is a Canucks podcast. We established at the outset that there isn't a ton of NHL talent on that American roster. And I guess I was hoping that, you know, they would look to Connor Garland. He's wearing an A, that maybe he would be one of their leaders, not just in a leadership aspect, but on the score sheet as well. It's been relatively quiet for Connor Garland to this point. So again, I'm not sitting here hitting alarm bells and panic buttons. I was hoping for a little bit more. He's probably hoping for a little bit more. Again, this thing is a marathon grind. There's still a bunch of games, so it could happen for him. But in the early going, he's got a couple of assists, but has not found the back of the net, Connor Garland. So we'll continue to monitor that one. Really, three Canucks, there are four Canucks that are there. Artris Olofs is the guy that's authoring the best story here. Started the tournament as the backup. And we remember five minutes into the game against Canada, Latvia's down to zip. Starter wasn't getting the job done. They give Silovs the tap. He hasn't looked back. He's played every minute for Latvia since then, stopped 20 of 21 against Norway. And I get that Norway is not one of the powers in this tournament, but still, you're a goaltender. You're asked to stop pucks. He stopped 20 of the 21 that came his way. And Norway did mount a, a late push. They had a power play, was watching the game. And Arthur Silov just looks confident in there. So this is a terrific experience. Like this, this has turned out to be an unexpected good news story from these World Hockey Championships. I think it would have been good for him just to go in his home country and be around that environment and everything else. But he's been thrust into the spotlight as the starter. And we'll see where it goes from here for Latvia. But it kind of feels like there has been a changing of the guard in goal. And if they progress, again, there's still another week of preliminary round games. I don't know that he plays Every game, that feels like it would be a little excessive. So there'll probably be a night off there somewhere. But if Latvia gets to the elimination round, games that matter, it kind of feels now like this is Archer Silov's net. So this is all just great experience for him as he marches on in his home country. You know, again, I don't think there's expectations that they're going to run the table and win this thing. But every time out, you've got eyeballs on you, your country behind you. And so, you know, it's a high leverage, high pressure situation to some degree. And it uh, looks like he's certainly up to the challenge. So, again, good on Arthur Silovs. They're having a little arty party over there yeah. in Riga. Yeah, so Canada, yeah, perfect 4-0, but they did get the one overtime win. They're 18 goals for 4 against. The United States is 4-0 as well atop of Group A, 18 goals, 5 against. So, right now, the North American powerhouses are atop of the group standings. We'll see if Canada can continue to run the table here, but you're right. Few more games still yet to go in the preliminary rounds. Applewood Auto Group is celebrating 25 years of business, making the car business and our communities better. Applewood offers the best in-class experience, whether you're looking for a car, service, or to join our team. Come find out why it's all good at Applewood. Visit us online at applewood.ca today. 
The BC Lions are back in the playoffs and hosting the Calgary Stampeders on Saturday, November 4th at BC Place. Kickoff at 3.30 p.m. Looking forward to this one. Playoff football, BC Place. The Lions and that offense with Vernon Adams at the controls and all of those weapons he has in his receiving core. And you just think about the atmosphere in that building with the fans behind them. The Dome will be rocking. Should be a ton of fun. Tickets on sale now at bclions.com. And check this out. They start at just 30 bucks. And kids 17 and under can get in for 15. So bring the noise, fill the dome. No, no SJ Pat today, and no and no playoff talk. That is no Stanley Cup playoff talk as well as the playoffs get kicking off or the conference finals get kicking off tonight. But we did have some spicy news coming out of Arizona, J-Pat. They made a vote down in Tempe there, and the voters rejected a new plan or a plan for a new Arizona Coyotes arena, entertainment district, all of that stuff. A lot of people talking about relocation. Where are the Coyotes headed? However, Craig Morgan, who has been following this team, covering this team for years down in Arizona, says, hold on, hold on a second. It's not done just yet. However, where there's smoke, there's fire, and we're starting to look at cities right now, perhaps where the Coyotes could go. One of them's in Canada, although I think that one is the longest shot of them all. Yeah, and we've seen from Bill Daly, the right-hand man to Gary Bettman, Deputy Commissioner of the National Hockey League, he said at the very least another season at Mullet Arena. So if people were thinking relocation, that they were going to back the vans up down at ASU and get the gear out of there and, and find a new home in the cover of darkness... Not likely to happen. And really think about the timelines here. The season doesn't start until September, but I bet you scheduling work for next year is already, the wheels are in motion. And so you've got to know where a team is going to play to get home dates and all those types of things. Um, It's not easy to relocate. And so it just kind of feels to me in the middle of May, like, yeah, at the very least, we were going to see one more year. But what does that look like if by the time the games start, we know that they're officially a lame duck and that they're on the move already playing in a 5,000 seat rink on a college campus. Like it's just, it's a bad look all around. And you know, how do you ask corporate supporters to step up knowing that you're out of there, you got one foot out the door. So look, this has been Gary's Hill to die on for the better part of 26 years now. I mean, it's how many times have we talked about this is it for the coyotes and you know, the writings on the wall at some point, you've got to read that writing. And if they don't want hockey in Arizona, they don't want hockey in Arizona, then go find a place where they will want hockey and that they will uh, step up. And look, this isn't to say that there are no fans in Arizona. I think that would be a misrepresentation. I think there are some fans. They haven't grown enough fans, obviously. There'll be people that are crushed that do support the Coyotes, but it's also a reality. And I've been there uh, five or six times when I was out traveling. I mean, I was in Glendale the night the world stopped with the pandemic. They were supposed to play in Glendale. That didn't happen, but I saw firsthand the crowds of five and 6,000. They announced them as bigger than that, but there were five and 6,000 people at an NHL game. And the crazy part is so many of those were Canuck fans, you know, whether they were down there on a spring break or a holiday, golf holiday, you tie it in with the, oh, there's a visit by the Canucks, you know, make it all work. So even if there were five or 6,000 in the building, they weren't all Coyotes fans anyways. And I think that was the case, you know, when the Oilers and the Flames and any of these Western teams went down there, a lot of people would follow. So I'm done. Like, I am ready for the Coyotes to move. I'm just tired. I'm tired of, you know, stories about Glendale City Council and, you know, referendum in Tempe. And like 
you know, first of all, I was a little surprised, honestly, like when I saw in writing that it's been 26 years, like, I don't know. It doesn't feel to me like hockey's been in Arizona for 26 years, but the numbers don't lie there. Whatever the case, it's a question of how much longer and is it just one more year? Uh, you know, you mentioned Quebec City. They've got the building. There's history. It's Canada. There'd be an appetite. And yet you just get the sense that the NHL, whether it's Gary himself or other governors, they've got no interest in going to Quebec City. And it feels like a no-brainer. I guess they look at it as a, another sort of smaller Canadian market, and that's not in the best interests of the league. And they would rather play in a 5,000 seat university rink than go to a place like, you know, Quebec city. So I don't think that Quebec city is going to fare well in all of this as, you know, where are the coyotes going to wind up? There are a lot of people that think Salt Lake city is sort of the front runner in this, which is interesting to me. have been to Salt Lake city. The LA Kings used to host preseason games there. They hosted the Canucks twice. Vivint arena is the home of the Utah jazz of the NBA. If the NBA figures that Salt Lake is good enough to be, and it's been a long story history in the NBA in Salt Lake and in Utah, mm-hmm. then who's to say it wouldn't be a decent NHL market as well? It's a winter climate, hosted the 2002 Olympics. The building as is, isn't compatible with hockey. And in fact, I know they played the preseason games there, but it was pretty funny because my memory of those preseason games, and it was both years, the lighting, the way it's set up, it's an NBA building. Lighting is set up to flood the NBA court with light. Well, a hockey rink is longer than an NBA floor. So you just think about sort of where the hoops are. That's kind of where the lighting ends, except that's about the hash marks in both ends of a hockey rink. So from the hash marks down, like, it was dark. There were shadows. Uh, the goaltenders, I remember talking to Jacob Markstrom after one of the games, like he admitted that, yeah, a little dark there. It was preseason. You did what you could. The other part was, and I don't know why, in one of the games, they could not get one of the nets to stay on the pegs. Like the net basically was drifting all night long. There were probably 15 stoppages due to the pegs and the guys have to come out and drill down. You know, Again, that would be fixed. That wouldn't be an issue every night if they moved hockey to Salt Lake City, but certainly it was something they would have to address, and clearly they would have to better lighting. Now, there is talk of a new building for the Utah Jazz, so maybe this sort of furthers the conversation. If there's already talk of new building in Salt Lake City, well, do it upright so that it can be one of these multi-facility, you know, like you have in Boston and Philadelphia and others that can be a home to both an NBA and an NHL team. So I do think that there is legitimate interest in Salt Lake City. They've got an ECHL team right now that doesn't play in that building. They play in the building that was home to, I think that was the Lucky Looney, wasn't it? I think that's where the Lucky Looney started, buried at Santa Rice. That's where they hosted the Olympics, is the other building that still exists and is home to this ECHL team and has had an international hockey league team in there as well. But yeah, there's talk of a new building in Salt Lake City. So Houston is the other one. Like to me, Houston, and it's been on the radar. We've kicked Houston around an, a lot as a potential NHL site. And look at the Dallas Stars. Look at the success of the Dallas yep. Stars. You know, a natural geographic rival. There's a history of hockey in the state of Texas. You've got a city in Houston that, look, I know that the Houston Texans are great, but you've got an NFL team. You got an major league baseball team that has had some success, dubious perhaps, has had some success. 
you got the Rockets in the NBA. You got an MLS team. Like, it's a great sports. It's one of the great American sports cities. And if you added hockey there, it would become one of the few cities that does check off all of the major sports leagues in one place. So I don't know. Like, to me, get everything that I'm reading right now, Salt Lake City looks like the inside track, but I don't know the argument against Houston. Yeah, Salt Lake City and Houston make a lot of sense, too, in terms of keeping them in the central division as well and just make right. it an, an yeah. easy switch out too. So whereas Atlanta would put that really in flux. And also too, they've been to Atlanta. It didn't work twice. Well, and there's talk. <laughs> That's right. Ferraro about it. Yeah, no, but there's talk of them building a new building in Atlanta. Sure. Like, That's they had great. A new, no, but they had a new building. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, the, it don't the, work. We, we tried that. And also to Quebec city, as much as people are like, come on, it makes sense. It, business wise. It doesn't. It's no corporate money in Quebec city. They got to sell those boxes. They, I'm amazed that Ottawa is even able to do it. Winnipeg to that degree as well. But they're not, they're not going to go back to a city like Quebec City. I know, like, hey, listen, I think the fans would love it. It's just, would the economics be right in Quebec City? The that I, that thing, I don't think it would be. And the other thing that's sort of cropped up through this discussion about Arizona and what's next is this idea of relocating the Arizona Coyotes to Salt Lake City, but keeping Houston and perhaps Atlanta as expansion sites. And or expansion? I know, like they worked, they worked so hard to get to 32 teams, 32 works, you know, nice bracket, eight or four divisions of eight and all that kind of stuff. But you got to stop and think for a second with the success of both Vegas and now Seattle, like does the league all of a sudden get super greedy and do prospective owners think, hey, I, I can get in on the ground and without bad contracts and everything else, like it's pretty clear that you can create successful team. Now, Vegas and Seattle haven't won a Stanley Cup yet. Vegas came close and they're knocking on the door here again. Seattle coming off a, a nice second year in the National Hockey League. But I, I do wonder if the early success of the Golden Knights and the Kraken sort of lend some credence to this idea that even though 34 seems like a crazy number and is the talent pool sufficient and all that kind of stuff, I just wonder if the league sees this as this might be an opportunity to bring in some serious expansion revenue because teams, other people will look and say, well, these most recent expansion teams had some success. Hey, maybe we can replicate that. There are enough good players around the world for two more NHL teams. I, I mean, I question that when it was 30 going to 32 and yeah, I mean, I guess the answer is yes. When you look at guys in the minors that, uh, you know, knocking on the door and deserve an opportunity, you look at the world hockey championship going on right now. And, you know, there's still some untapped uh, countries that are producing, you know, not a ton of players, but yeah, I mean, does it water down the product? Maybe a little bit, but again, the counter argument to that is certainly wasn't an issue for either Vegas or Seattle. And so, yeah, I think that you could probably bring, I don't think it's the player pool. I think it's more, again, they worked so hard to get to 32, which just seemed like the ideal number, the way that the divisions and the conferences, sure, there's talk about uh, the playoff format and that kind of stuff, but 32 just seems like the right number. And so to move off 32 as quickly as they got to it, I don't know. That one seems strange to me. But again, when you think about Vegas and Seattle, their success, Houston and Atlanta would probably be east-west, so you'd be looking at, you know, geographically, it kind of makes a little sense that way that you'd be adding one to each conference and not loading up on one side or the other. We're getting ahead of ourselves without a doubt, but, I mean, the fact that that conversation has sort of popped up here, I guess, 
isn't shocking to me, but first and foremost, they obviously they got to figure out what to do with the Arizona Coyotes. The BC Lions are back in the playoffs and hosting the Calgary Stampeders on Saturday, November 4th at BC Place, kickoff at 3.30 p.m. Looking forward to this one, playoff football, BC Place, the Lions and that offense with Vernon Adams at the controls and all of those weapons he has in his receiving core. And you just think about the atmosphere in that building with the fans behind them, the dome will be rocking, should be a ton of fun. Tickets on sale now at bclions.com and check this out. They start at just 30 bucks. And kids 17 and under can get in for 15. So bring the noise, fill the dome. Rinkwide Vancouver is presented by Bodog Sports Odds, poker tips, and free casino games make a play today. I got a, an interesting sort of Bodog best bet sort of to bounce off you, but I wanted to talk to you about this before we get there. I don't know if you saw last night, the NBA draft lottery went down and the yeah. San Antonio Spurs won a third time they've won a draft lottery. And they are going to get to draft a generational talent in Victor Mwembanyana. I think I'm saying that right. Hmm. He'll be a household name in the next few months. But it got me thinking. And as of course, as the Canucks, they don't have any luck when it comes to the draft lottery. Do we need to start making a change with draft lotteries? And, you know, and, and I say this in reference to the NBA and to the NHL. Like, if you're, I believe Detroit had the worst odds in the NBA and they're picking, like, fifth, like, should they just make it even across the board for every team that misses the playoffs? Or should they go to back to the old school, like, back what the NFL does and just say, hey, worst team gets it. And I know there'll be people screaming about tanking and whatnot, but at the same time, too, like, the teams that do technically tank, it doesn't always work out for you. So should they level the playing field? Should they make it that it's, you know, hey, listen, you're crap. You get the first pick. Like, where do you think they should go with this? Or do you like the system that's in place right now? I don't mind the system that's in place, but I would tweak it a little bit. I I would introduce some chaos to it. I don't like the fact that, like for the Canucks, it was your options were drafting first, second, or 11th and nothing. Like, I, I would like to see a little bit more volatility in there that there was a way that the Canucks could move from 11th to 7th and still feel like they won something, right? That they went in with the 11th best odds, but it, you didn't have to hit the jackpot. It would be like, you know, if I buy a ticket for 649 and I don't win the jackpot, but there are those sort of smaller prizes, like, you know, I can still win a million bucks. Like, I'd be okay with winning a million bucks. Uh, and, and so I, I think if there was a way that you could manipulate the odds, you could make it a little bit more random in that sense. Now, again, a team like Anaheim had the best odds. You know, the league has tried to protect them that they may not win, but they can't fall any further than third, right? And and I, I guess I understand that thinking they were the worst team. They shouldn't be penalized ultimately, but in my system, I guess they're in order for the Canucks to move up, it would mean that teams have to fall. And so maybe a team like Anaheim, who has the best odds, ends up with the fifth or sixth pick. And uh, is that right? Is that fair? I don't think it's about fairness necessarily. They're all bad teams at that point. They can all use, I mean, any one of those teams that finished near the bottom could use Connor Bedard, right? It was just, you have to have a system in place to figure out like how ultimately you're going to determine determine the draft order. So I, I don't mind the idea of the lottery. I, I think there are some ways that they could tweak the, overall odds. I think that there are some ways that they could sort of uh, rejig the system 
to determine the ultimate draft order. And certainly the NHL could do a way better job with the television show that is The Great Reveal. And I thought the NBA's TV show looked way better. Not way a surprise better. there. Yeah. You know, the fact that they had managers or owners of the Final Four, the way they stopped it at four, and then it kind of looked like a game show for the Final Four, and the San Antonio guy. That was like, oh, let's go! Let's go! Yeah, he you was, know the three and, other guys sitting yeah. there going, mother... <laughs> <laughs> but that was great. Like, it was fun, but there was some drama involved. The other thing, too, that I didn't realize till I watched that yesterday was that the draft lottery is in concert with the NBA's combine. So they have most of their prospects on hand. That kind of fills out the crowd. Um, again, it made it more of a television show kind of aspect. Um, it, you know, could the NBA or could the NHL take a page? I guess it would be tough because some of the prospects would still be playing uh, when you have the draft lottery. There are still junior teams that are in action. There are some of the... Draft eligible guys are overseas in the world, so maybe you push the draft lottery back a little further. You know, is it? I don't know. I just think so much could be more could be done than Bill Daly just flipping cards one after the other. Um, but I'm not like I don't like the idea of sort of natural selection and teams like actively trying to get to the bottom, knowing that the worst record is going to get the first pick. So that's off the table for you. Like the old school way. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I think just, I agree with that because it, it does like the people teams will just tank right out, but maybe there are ways that the NHL can sort of somewhat prevent that. And especially the, the way that Arizona takes all those bad contracts and just, but you know, and hides them. Like maybe there's ways to sort of prevent stuff like that. But I'm with I'm you. It just for, doesn't seem like, like it would be. But great. I'm not across the board. Like, I don't want 15 teams to have a 6.5% chance each. I don't think that works. But I do wonder if you do it in tiers so that the bottom five teams, they all have a 20% chance or something to that degree. And you know, only the bottom five are in the lottery for the first overall pick. And then there's a tier. But I guess, you know, if you're that sixth team, and there's a couple of weeks to go in the season and you look at the standings, then you're probably trying to tank to get into that lower well, that's, tier. That's, so, yeah, that's the thing. Know, so I think if you actually even the odds of every non-playoff team, you basically take tanking out of it. Yeah, I saw somebody sort of object to that on social media with and using Vegas last year as an example. Like the Vegas Golden Knights are back in the final four and a pretty good chance you're going to get to the Stanley Cup final. They could win it all. They had an off year last year. They missed the playoffs. So be is it. that just luck of the draw that, for, yeah. you know, that so year? And again, at a six and a half percent chance, pretty good chance they're not going to win the lottery. Yeah. But they would have a ticket in it. And you're okay. Like, I'm okay know, with that. Why not? That, there's, there's pure chaos right there. Because again, I believe that might be the only way. And maybe somebody can, can, can tell me otherwise. But to me, that just takes tanking out off the board. Does it not? Because at that point, you're leaving it up to, you know, 16 teams of chance at that point. Right. So. Uh, it's an interesting discussion. We'll see where it goes. I don't think the NHL is going to make any changes anytime soon. Gary does not like change. How about this for best bet, J. Pat? Uh, we don't have anything to go off of right now. I know we talked about the Consmith, uh yesterday, and what well, we do have games tonight. But I kind of oh, want to do keep this. getting ahead of yourself. It's another dark night in the National Hockey. Is it? League. I thought Wednesday was the start. And I got do I got this wrong. You're so geeked up and excited about round three. That's but, uh, you can't wait. There it you go. 30. So then we don't have anything to bet on tonight, hockey-wise. So let's throw some baseball into the mix here for just a moment. Because as everybody knows, I cheer for Canada's team. I'm a troop Canadian. I cheer for the Toronto Blue Jays. 
you, I don't know what's going on with you, but I sure for the Yankees right now when they're running it up on the Blue Jays, God, yeah, maybe cheating a little with the the gum hand, but gum uh, hand and tipping pitches (laughs) and having the pitcher or the first base coach run down the line drama in that series. Holy, absolutely, I know, but for May, like that kind of to me is like September when you know you're on a collision course for the playoffs. But no, there was some heat to to that series. Well, the thing is too is that this year they they don't play each other as much as well. There was used to be 19 games. I think it's down to 15 or 16 or something like that uh per team in your division so yeah interesting to see uh where this goes with the jays and the yankees but let's talk jays and mariners here okay so the jays are plus 1000 on bodog right now to win the world series the m's are plus 2800 that's not where i want to go though all right the canucks had 83 points this year don't remind me all right right now through 42 games so basically a quarter of the season in the mlb the Mariners have 21 wins. They're 21 and 21 and even 500. And the Blue Jays are 24 and 18 right now. So using the Canucks point total at 83 as the line, do the Mariners or the Jays get over or under 83 wins this year? Everything's coming up roses in Seattle. Crackett had a nice second season in the National Hockey League. Uh, so I think the Mariners are going to be inspired by that. Uh, you're not going to drag my M's down. I'm going to say the Mariners go over. Okay. I am going to say that the Mariners under, I'm going to say they are going to make 82 wins this year. They're going to finish one game under the blue Jays are going to win 93 games this year, in my opinion. So I think the blue Jays will be well above the M's as they should be much better team, much better Country that they play in as well. It feels real good to have Canadian pride behind the Blue Jays. So I'm going to take the over with the Jays, the under with the Mariners there. All right. All right. Another side bet here. Okay. Uh, PGA Championship starts tomorrow in Rochester, Ooh. New York. Love it. There are six Canadians in the field, which is awesome. Three of them are from BC. Both Nick Taylor and Adam Hadwin at times have had an association with the Canucks. They've been involved in the Jake Milford uh, golf tournament, setting up on a hole and hitting shots and just being around. Um, They've been at games, all that kind of stuff. So because this is a Canucks pod, head-to-head, you and me, you get your pick of the Canuck ambassador. I'll take the other guy, and we'll see how the weekend plays out. So which of those two BC guys, Hadwin or Taylor, are you taking uh, I want to say Nick Taylor. I think he's been playing better than Adam this year. Let me just take a look real quick. <laughs> I, hold on, I gotta pull it up. He's got Nick five, Taylor hasn't five. played. He hasn't played the last couple of weeks because uh, he and his wife just had a child. But he's Ooh. having a he's having a terrific year. He is. So he, yeah, he said he's playing some of the best golf of his career. Uh, Adam Hadwin has uh, got that putting stroke, that sweet, silky putting stroke. All right, so he's had nine top 25s, has Taylor this year. He's had five top 10s. He's been the runner-up twice this year. I like Nick Taylor. I'm taking Nick Taylor's my guy today. Yeah. All right, fair enough. That's a good call. I probably would have gone there had it been my decision as well, but uh, I'm fine on Team Hadwin here, so uh, uh, we'll see. You against me, Hadwin against Taylor. All right. Well, there PGA you go. Championship. All right. Well, good luck. Uh, what are we betting anyway? Oh. Uh, Round of golf? You've got, you've got bets to pay off still. <laughs> so I don't, until the uh, accounts are uh, leveled, I'm not sure that this one has a, a, a wager attached to it. All right. Fair enough. 
Bragging rights. All right. All right. Well, this has been another edition of the Rinkwide Vancouver podcast presented by Bodog. For Jeff Patterson, I'm Andrew Wadden. Remember, Rinkwide is the show that always goes.